This is Conversation with the Cooks, presented by Husker Sports, a monthly podcast with Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook and former All-American Lauren Cook. On this edition of Conversation with the Cooks, We've had some awesome ways of the team has presented it to us. My most favorite was the 2015 team. They actually, in Sydney Towns and Annie Albright, led this. They did a skit. They performed a skit to show all the coaches with music. They had costumes. It was unbelievable. But this is what their theme was going to be about. And that's where you, when you see something that powerful and, and so much thought has gone into that, you know that team has put the work in. Now, here's your host, Lauren Cook. Welcome back to another episode of Conversation with the Cooks. This is our last episode for 2019. We're going to close it out with a bang, bringing in a special guest at the end of the podcast. So be sure to listen all the way through. And Coach Cook, since since you have a walkout song during matches now, let me just paint the picture here. So you're coming out of the the tunnel walk and you're walking onto the court during, it's while warmups are going on. And the players are all standing on the side and they're kind of moving their arms back and forth, almost like they're at a club, maybe doing some partying. And there's a song that plays over the loudspeakers at at Devaney. So I'm going to let you play that and you can have a walkout song for the podcast as well. Okay, let's walk it out because this is inside team stuff. So (laughs) you're going inside the team now. This is, you know, sacred stuff. But here we go. This song originated for, you know, we talk about winning the grind every day. So oh somebody put this on. I said, I like this. LeBron listens to this. This is all about grinding every day. Okay, do you know, so this is by called Grinding All My Life, for those of you who want to check it out on Spotify. Nipsey. By Nipsey Hustle. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Are you friends with him? Have no, you met him? No, he's deceased. Yes. Okay, good. So you do know him. Okay. Here, let me let me shut it off. Yeah, yeah. Before it gets to the bad words. So what? So you just like that song because it talks about grinding hard. He just talks about he grinded from nothing to come up and do everything, and you relate. He was he was giving back to the community, but I think he was murdered. And uh, anyway, LeBron actually, I listened to a playlist we play that LeBron listens to, and it's one of his songs on there because of all the th- good things he was doing in the community. Did you find this playlist on Spotify? I can't remember. You're now a Spotify junkie. I'm Spotify and I have Pandora, so I can't, I go back and forth. Usually Kelly figures it all out. Did you get your year end review or summary from Spotify? No. Okay. No. We'll have to look at your Spotify account and see if it, provi- it provides you with what artists you listen to the most, what your favorite song was, or what song you played the most. So it gives you a whole, your artists of the decade. They yeah. did, spot- everyone was posting about it. All I know, Lauren, is I had to get Pandora because Spotify doesn't cut out all the bad words and Pandora <laughs> does and so when we're playing it in the Devaney and there's people in there and recruits and sometimes there's some bad words so Pandora edits them out I heard you guys were playing some music uh let's see it would have been Thursday or maybe yeah Thursday you had your practice at Devaney and an NCAA rep was there and she asked you guys to change the song because there were some naughty words being played. Oh, I was not aware of that. I think it was Kelly Hunter's playlist, so oh. we'll throw her under the bus. But yeah, throw her under the bus. She usually makes good playlists. She, she's in charge of it, yeah. She was supposed <laughs> to not have it have bad words because it's open practice. But I bet you that NCAA rep really wanted to just kind of groove to the music and dance. All right, so let's talk some volleyball. And this is related to volleyball, but it's not volleyball terminology or or something that you, I mean, I think you guys talk about it every day in practice, but 
It's not passing, it's not setting, it's not blocking, it's training the mind and team chemistry. And I know this has been a heavy focus for you the past few years, especially when you've made some of these championship runs. And talk to me about when you first realized the the importance of this, of team chemistry and, and just training the mind. And uh, I think you call it, oh, what do you call it? Uh, mindfulness. Mindfulness. Mindfulness training. Yeah. So uh, originally way back when I first started coaching in my master's program, there was visualization and power of positive words. So that was kind of sports psych back then. But of course, it's evolved quite a bit. And really what uh, in 2010, I think, I read Pete Carroll's book, who's the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And he talked about a guy, Michael Gravey, who was doing yoga and mindfulness training with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And of course, I think they won the Super Bowl. I've met Michael. Oh, really? I've worked yeah, with him. Yeah. Yeah. With USA Bet Volleyball. With USA, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just started doing more investigation. And then I met Dr. Larry Widman and Dr. Stoll, who were working with our football program, I saw these two guys, they're both psychiatrists. And so I asked them a little bit about it and if they could start doing some stuff with us. So we started kind of messing with it. And then in 2015, Dr. Brett Haskell was hired at the athletic department and we really, really started diving into it. And she's well-trained in it. And it's no doubt I've seen it help players. And it's not only just in performance, but it's in in their uh, off the court lives, their sleep, you know, how they talk to themselves, uh, how they quiet their minds, because we live in such an age now where there's so much stimulation going on with, with iPhones and computers and they're on screens all day long that the brain never shuts down. So a lot of our players have sleep issues, a lot of athletes do, and kind of nervous issues, nervous system issues, just because of, you know, the age we live in. And so they actually have apps that help quiet their mind and, and we do mindfulness training and she does biofeedback with some of them. So We've been really working on that, and that's pretty much a weekly thing that we do. Uh, and then we also do yoga, which also helps. So it's all about quieting the mind, getting relaxed, letting your mind be free and clear so you can just perform. When I get asked about that topic, I tell people that when I played, it was Dr. Whitman. And I tell people he changed me as as a player and as a person. And there's still techniques that he gave me back when I was a player to help me through, you know, tough times or times when I'm stressed that I still use to this very day, different breathing techniques, different visualization techniques. And at first, when you're, when you're hearing someone talk through those things, it sounds crazy, but then once you do them, you really realize the importance of it. And back when I would play before matches, I would literally visualize everything down to who would pass, who would serve the ball to us, the opposing server, who would pass it. And then how I would get my feet there when I was setting who I would set, where the set would land, how they would go up and swing at that set that I gave that uh, attack, front row attacker, back row attacker, wherever it would be. And I would go through all of this in my mind before matches. And then this is going to sound crazy, but it's almost like that would play out as the match went on is what I visualized. And I think, I mean, I think that helped me, especially in big matches where there's a lot of pressure on the line, just seeing all of that happen beforehand. And then you get to the match and it, you feel like you've you've already done this and you knew what to expect and it all goes smoothly. Yeah. And that's, that's having a quiet mind. So we try to eliminate as much interference as we can when we perform. And that's the whole key to perhaps performing uh, at the highest level that you can. So I think what goes hand in hand with, with mindfulness training is team chemistry, because if everyone's, if all everyone's minds in the right spot, they're, they're bonding as a team. And it's also important to not only focus on yourself, but focus on your teammates as well. And I've said before, if you can have the best team in the world, but if they don't have team chemistry, they're not going to go very far. And I think that actually happened to you. Was that in 
2005, you guys struggled with? 2007. 2007. But then you can have a team who maybe isn't the most talented team in the world, but if they have amazing team chemistry, they're going to win a national championship. And I think that maybe happened in... 2008. 2008. I think again in 2017. 15, 17, 17, yeah. So tell us, because... You really focus on this, but tell us some of the events that you do just throughout the year. Not so, not even you can talk about stuff that you do during volleyball season, but I know there's a lot that goes on in the off season preparing for this. So talk to us about um, some of those things. Well, just to give a, a brief outline, I mean it's a year-round process, and first of all, it starts with goal setting in January. Then it starts with relationship building during beach season. And that's one of the reasons we take a spring break trip is we actually work on building our team at that point. And there's certain things that we do, and we, we won't have enough time in this podcast to go through it all. Plus, that stuff is uh, sacred. And what comes out of that is, and then we go into the summer, and Brett works with our team during the summer to come up with their themes are going to be and what they're going to be about and how they're going to define themselves through the season. But it all starts with the relationship building. That's the most important thing. They have to work on building relationships. And again, this generation it is not very good at building relationships because most of their communication is done on Instagram, text messages. There's, they have a hard time sitting down and talking. And I, every year when we go to Hawaii for, for beach volleyball, I ask them what the highlight of their trip is. And it, every, every year they say the same thing. It's the, we do small group dinners with coaches. So I'll take three or four players. Jalen takes three or four players. And we take them out to dinner at some different place, you know, maybe it's sushi or Korean food or something different for them to try. But the conversations go on for two to three hours because we just sit and talk. There's no phones, no distractions, nothing going on. So it's a great start on building relationships. But some of the things that have come out of the themes we've talked about to help have great team chemistry is getting teams to buy into is with each other for each other. That's been a very powerful theme. We even got the patent on that. So we have that in the state of Nebraska. It's ours. We Over Me was another one that came out of it. And, and the big one for me is ultimate trust, when you can get your team to play with ultimate trust. And we always talk about trust, but ultimate trust is there's no hesitation. There's no doubt. There's no, everybody knows who's going to do what, and it, it just flows. And when you see a team playing with ultimate trust, and again, that's on and off the court, and they have to have great relationships to get there. And our current team right now is, you know, is working to get there. I don't, I don't know if we've had it yet completely like some of our other teams, but I can tell you our 2017 had unbelievable ultimate trust. So back to the yearly themes, who comes up with these themes? Is it the team? Is it the coaching staff? Is it Brett? Is it a combination of those three? It's the team and Brett working over the summer. We're not allowed under the rules to meet with our team and do this in the summer, which to me is crazy. It's, it's, and we're trying to get the rule changed because we are a fall sport. Football can work. Basketballs can practice and meet. We're not allowed to. So so Brett has to do it with our team, and they're the ones that come up with it. And then the first day of practice or the night before the first day of practice, they present it to the coaches. And we've had some awesome ways of the team has presented it to us. My most favorite was the 2015 team. They actually, in Sydney Towns and Ani Albright led this. They did a skit. They performed a skit to show all the coaches with music they had costumes. It was unbelievable. But this is what their theme was going to be about. And that's where you, when you see something that powerful and, and so much thought has gone into that, you know that team has put the work in. So are they just sitting with Brett? You know, is it, does it happen in one afternoon and they're brainstorming these ideas? Or it's, I know you said it's during the summer, but... 
Lauren, I'm not in the meetings. I'm not allowed to. That's against NCAA <laughs> rules. So you'd have to get Brett on the podcast and ask her. No one fills you in and tells you how the process works. I just see the presentation when they do it on the first day. And then we take it from there and we put up posters. We put up a, a board in our ready room. I'm sure you've seen it of what their themes are going to be and what they're going to be about. And you know, we go from there. We, we put it on bag tags. We, we put it on shirts. So we'll put it on a lot of different things to con- for have constant reminders. It's on social media as well. Yeah, some of it goes on social, social media, media. Locker room, t-shirts, yeah. And it's the reason why you do that is just so it's a constant reminder to the yes. girls or yeah. are you trying to spread awareness to the rest of the state or what's... Both, both. We're, we're uh, you know, anytime you have goals and you share them with people and share them publicly, they become more powerful. But the main thing is, we want that out in front of everybody so everybody can join the party and be involved and feel a part of it, you know, because our fans are pretty intimately involved with our program and they know a lot going on. And I share it a lot in the media and they do too. So why not? Do you wish some of that could be kept more private? There's some things that we keep private, but most of it is we share and it's out there and we talk about it. And there's a couple things that we keep within our team that we, we talk about that. This is just within our team. So but I would say 90% of it is is we share it and spread it. And, you know, I share it with other coaches that come to team camps. And, you know, I share it when I speak around the state. You know, this is what we're about. This is how we build these teams. And hopefully people, you know, when I get a chance to go speak at a school district, teachers can go take those things and coaches can take some of those things and use it in their school district, especially some of the small towns. I mean, they're not exposed to all this. And so there's to me, there's a, there's a great joy in being able to share some of those things because I think it helps other groups and businesses and teams and so on. I know fans on Twitter are asking for shirts, sweatshirts with your yearly themes on them, whether it's with each other, for each other, we over me, ultimate trust. Do you think Adidas will, I mean, who is that Adidas? Is that you? Who, who do they need to, or do we need to talk to, or do they need to talk to to get that to happen? Yeah, that would probably need to get Lindsay on the podcast and figure that out. So I, I don't know how that would work. Maybe you should start a business <laughs> and do that. Uh, I know in 2015, Destination Omaha t-shirt Adidas ran with that, and I think Huskers Authentic sold. I mean, I think they sold like fifteen thousand shirts or something that had Destination Omaha in there with a map of Nebraska. That was one time that they ran with that. I know the We Over Me. I think some other teams used that, and Adidas ran with that as well. I don't know if they sold it publicly, but I think they had that on. I think basketball used it, and I know some other schools used that because people were like high schools and colleges were asking us if we had a patent on it if they could use it. So. That's a great idea. I, 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 we should probably look into that. Side business, side yeah. hustle. Yeah. Does that bother you when other teams steal your themes or does it make you proud thinking that your girls came up with that? No, I, it makes us proud, but I, and it make, I'm okay with it because I've stolen ideas from other coaches. I think I always say when I speak at a coach's clinic that coaches have to be thieves. They got to look around, <laughs> steal good ideas and implement them on their team. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a little break. So you have time to think about your cook confession and your cook lesson. So you're not scrambling oh, last I minute. Hate that. <laughs> Everyone loves it though. Oh. They like hearing what you have to confess and, and what lessons you have to provide. And we're gonna bring on a special guest who I people asked me for this special guest to come on. I got tweets. People came up to me in person at, during radio broadcast and said we would really love to hear from this person and you should bring her on. So we're gonna bring on your wife, my mother, Wendy Cook, who maybe is the most, I should say, the best volleyball player in the family, the most successful volleyball player in the family. 
never really got into coaching, but if she would have, maybe would have been a more successful coach than you. Who knows? Yeah. I just want to know, does she get paid more than I do for this? (laughs) We'll have to ask her if she does. So, Wendy Cook, welcome into Conversation with the Cooks. Since you're a cook, I guess this uh, the title is still relevant to you, having a conversation with another cook. So I felt like it was okay to bring you on, and Husker Nation wants to hear from you. So I'm going to start. Tell us about your volleyball career, because I don't think a lot of people know how great of a player you were. You well... Where did it all start? Torrey Pines High School. Torrey Pines so High num- School. Number f- one in the nation. First year, but we weren't number one in the nation then. Okay. And women's sports just started getting scholarships. So my goal was to get a scholarship somewhere. Which you did. Which I got room, or excuse me, books and tuition, not room and board. Books and tuition, because you could divide up scholarships back then. And I was offered a position at Santa Barbara, but I was a homebody, didn't want to go that far away from home. So you were living in San Diego. Right. Okay. So San Diego State was closer. So I chose San Diego State and played there. I think they brought in another setter um, that was actually from Hawaii. And for some strange reason, I think I remember her name, Dawn Agbayani or something. Anyways, she beat me out, but got homesick and I think went back home. And then I had to you be had the, the starting setter. Gig. <laughs> yeah, I had the starting gig by default. Which you ended up turning that into a two-time All-American and mm-hmm. you're on the Hall of Fame at San Diego State. Yes, unfortunately, it's not a very uh, flattering picture, but yes, <laughs> I am still there. Uh, and then after college, there wasn't really professional volleyball overseas like there is now but you did you had you had some time with the national team correct so I played it wasn't so much the national team there was like a junior national team that I remember and it's been a long time training with we went to Hawaii we played in a Pacific Rim tournament they called it so I think there were teams from the Pacific Rim countries that we played but um, it wasn't anything like what they they do now and was Denise Corlett on that junior national team with you? Denise was Paula Weishoff, another So Denise famous... is the assistant at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Did Paula coach anywhere? Or is she coaching um, yeah, somewhere? Yeah, Paula coached at, John may have to correct us, but Paula coached, I think, at Concordia for a while and also at USC. She helped, I think, at USC. Okay. Those were the two that I can remember the most. So you got to play with some very talented people. Yeah. Some very tall girls. <laughs> Which you're about 5'8". You're, yeah, you're my I, size. So yeah. you're, a little, you're on the smaller end for a volleyball player. Yep. But small players get it done. Yeah, except it was still tough in my day blocking <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think we have a newspaper cutout of you trying to block a ball. And, and you're jumping. There is air underneath your feet. But Thank you. But the ball's going over your hands. So I think they were, uh, that yeah. hitter was just going right over you. That did happen back then. You're, okay, so your senior year of college is when you met Coach Cook, correct? Uh, I met him the summer before my senior year. Okay. Can you give us your version of, of how you guys met? My version is I was playing on a beach volleyball tournament with another 
guy friend, uh, just a friend, and <laughs> we ended up meeting up with John and his friend in the finals, and it was co-ed beach volleyball tournament. So, so who won? John and his team, his partner won because that was how we got a date, or how I we got a date, because he said he wasn't going to ask me out on a date if he lost. So we went to play racquetball because your dad did not have um, a lot of money to take me out to dinner and asked <laughs> if we could wait a couple of weeks till he got paid, and then we went and played racquetball. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, good thing he uh, won that volleyball tournament. I, Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here interviewing you today. Right. <laughs> Did you ever think that he would get into coaching volleyball when you guys met? No, because he, he started out kind of really liking football and basketball and other sports. He, he gravitated to volleyball, and just like he is now, he studied the game and picked it up really quickly. So does he ever ask for your advice? He never asks, but... But you give it to him for but, free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His uh, his sister, Lisa, and I were, were always good at that. And why didn't you ever want to get into coaching? Um, well, I felt like one coach in the family was enough, <laughs> and somebody had to be there to kind of help run the rest of the show and help out with other family and life stuff. Maybe when he retires, you'll get into coaching. I, yeah. There you yeah. go. Okay, so talk to us about what it's like being a coach's wife. It's, it's a kind of a thankless job. It's, it's tough. There's a, you don't, you're not really in the spotlight and you have to handle a lot of different responsibilities. And so just talk about the sacrifices that you have to make every single day and, and what it's like. You know, I don't really look at it that way. I, I don't feel that, I mean, I think the sacrifice that any coaching family makes is the time away from family, first of all, for the coach. So I just try to make up for that by spending as much time as I can with my family and helping where I can help when time and talents allow for volunteering in classrooms, helping out in other ways um, with meals. But I look at it as an opportunity. I get to, you know, not only be with my family, but I get to learn and find out more about the girls on the team and coaches. So I've always enjoyed it. I think it's enriched my life because I've learned way more about people and places and where they've come from. And I just wouldn't want to miss that. I think that's a big part of it. Um, the, the times where it's tough is when, you know, somebody gets injured or, you know, there's a tough busy loss. schedule, tough loss. Um, and you, you just try to go walk the dogs and get distracted. <laughs> or cook. Or you cook. love cooking. Yeah. You're an yeah. amazing cook. <laughs> and you, you do have the girls over often for meals when you mm -hmm. can. Yeah. And I think they all look forward to that. That's the time where you everybody kind of lets their hair down, so to speak, and you get to know more about the team and the girls and kind of their sense of humor. You see more of that um, than you would if you just were in the gym or watching them play. Well, thank you so much for coming on. But before I'm a, before I let you go, so Coach Cook and I always do a or I guess I can say Dad now since I'm talking to you. Dad and I always do a <laughs> Cook confession and a Cook lesson oh, geez. at the end of every podcast. So you're cook confession is just something that people may not know about you or something that you want to confess to doing. You did a while ago. I know you've listened to some of these podcasts. So you know some of the things I've confessed. So I'm going to ask you for a cook confession and then a cook lesson, just any type of words of wisdom, any advice, uh, anything that 
you've learned over the years. So cook confession, cook lesson. Okay, I'll, I don't know cook confession yet. So I'll start with the cook lesson. And I think I got it from my dad, your grandfather. I always feel like you need to, he used to always say, walk a mile in somebody's moccasins to understand what they're going through. So it's kind of a phrase to not be judgmental and to try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And your dad's always been really forgiving. And that's something that I've tried to learn from him. And then using dad's analogy of walk a mile in somebody's moccasins or shoes before you judge them. So that's a lesson I like to try to remember. Perfect. Um, you're, you did, you're doing way better than dad. He is awful at this <laughs> and he hates doing it. And I tell him we're going to do it every podcast, but he always forgets and he's trying to come up with things at the last minute. So you're already off to a great start. Okay, good. Now let's see. Cook's confession. Uh, let's see. I think there was a time when I was in maybe eighth grade, ninth grade, we had just moved down to San Diego from Orange County. I told you we used to live in Orange County. And I had a boyfriend that I kind of liked. He drove down and I don't think mom and dad liked me to see him because he was a surfer dude. And so <laughs> I rode my little skateboard down there and was going to try to get to the beach where he was surfing. And I walked across the lagoon. Do you remember that lagoon by where we used to live that was grandma and grandpa's house? Anyways, uh -uh. long story short, when I started to walk across the lagoon, it looked like it was solid dirt, but it was clay and I sunk in. <gasps> I lost my sandals and <laughs> I had to kind of walk back. And I used actually the skateboard to pull myself out. And anyways, I at first didn't tell mom and dad that I was traveling to go see my friend, I just told him I got stuck in the clay in the in the lagoon. Did it mold to your feet? Was it stuck on your feet? Yeah, I never got my sandals back. I lost my sandals. They 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 like were swallowed up by the... So you had to go... So it was like a sinkhole. Yeah. Is that was, what those are was, called? Yeah, it was like greasy dirt, mud, you know. So you had to... You were barefoot on the way, mm -hmm. way home. Skateboarding Did back. you have to go far? No, it was just kind of down the hill where the lagoon was. <laughs> I don't think I ever told mom and dad that. I, I was just going to ask, do they even know the true story there? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yes, thank you. Well, we, it's now time for my cook confession and cook lesson. And then oh, dad's good. cook confession and cook lesson. So you can stick around and listen to these. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're finally at the end of our podcast, and what did you think of Mom's interview? Oh, it was awesome, Lauren. Awesome. Did you agree with everything she said? She should be paid more than me. <laughs> okay, so it's time for our cook confession and cook lesson, your favorite part. And I'll go first, give you a couple extra seconds to think about what you're going to say. My cook confession is you have a no, you're, as a player, you're not allowed to skip class. Well, I skipped one class while I was a player for you at Nebraska. It was, I think it was after we got back from a, uh, it was a long road trip and I was super tired. I actually think I had, I might've been a, a little under the weather and I just couldn't, couldn't get up that morning and go. So I skipped class, but we didn't have to sign in. So you never found out about it. Yeah. Now we can't hold them accountable because they have online classes. So who knows if they go to class or not? <laughs> well, if you have so, an online class, you're not so, physically going to class. Right. So there's, 
You True. can skip all the classes you want. We have no idea. So, because they don't take role anymore. It's crazy. Okay, well, I, I did skip one in college. I think I'm going to hire somebody just to go check on our players every day to make I, sure they're taking their classes. I thought you guys have an academic advisor. <clears throat> yeah, but they, they don't know. We get reports, but okay. anyway, it's just a lot different. Just base it on their letter grade in the class. If they're my doing confession. Well. I'd flunk out if I had online classes. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not a computer savvy no, person. You're, no. You can barely use your cell phone. Anytime something goes wrong on your computer, you have to call a tech person. That's right. To come in and help you. Okay. And then my cook lesson is sometimes it is best to stay in your lane. Oh. Just meaning just uh, sometimes it's best not to interfere or to bring anything up. Just stay in your lane. Stay quiet. Is it hard for you to do that, Lauren? It is. (laughs) Is it hard for you to do that? Uh, No. You're pretty good at staying in your lane. That's what wisdom, age and wisdom gives gives you. Okay, well, I'm still I'm still young and dumb, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> What's your cook lesson? Lauren, there's three things the key keys three keys to the sport of volleyball. Okay. Okay. Simple. Let's hear it. You gotta serve it in the court. You gotta learn how to roll on the floor, that Japanese roll thing, and you gotta dig baby dig. <laughs> Love it. Short, sweet, and simple. All right. Do you wanna play a little nipsy hustle for our uh ending here? You don't know where your you don't even know where your phone is? Can you get your phone open? Let's see. Do you even know which apps play music? Yeah, I'm on Pandora. Okay, here this you is go. Walkout song. What, what are you going to leave us with? This is another Nipsey Hustle song. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year's walkout. And on that note, uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks so much for tuning in. Conversation with the Cooks is presented by Husker Sports, featuring Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook and former All-American Lauren Cook. Project manager is Michael Zorb. Edited by Josh Hilkeman. Sound design by Brett Whitty. Voiceover by Mike Elliott. Cover art provided by Sam Noonan. To find other Husker Sports podcasts, subscribe to the Husker Sports Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Or listen and find out more at huskers.com slash podcasts.